0: Well just where you're at, would you just uh bow your head? will you pray and ask that the Lord would speak to you today through his word? Just as a moment of reflection, just sit there and quiet. Well, Father, we come to you, knowing that it is uh, not in our power, not in our good works that we're able to have a, a relationship with you, but it's only through this, the the blood of your Son Jesus Christ. We thank you for the hope we have in Jesus. We thank you for the fact that, regardless of where we're at, regardless of what we've done, that you have a passion and a desire to have that relationship with us, and that the only way we can approach you is through Jesus. And so, God, we thank you for the grace and mercy you give in the sending of Jesus. We thank you for the fact that he uh, sought us out, that he's just chasing after us. And God, as we look today at, at this section of scripture, God, that we see his heart for the lost. And so, God, I pray that we would have a heart for those around us who don't know you that we would understand your desire to have a relationship with them and that God, as a result, it would change our hearts in how we act, how we talk with, and how we treat those who are far from you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, I said something to somebody earlier. I've actually preached from this section of scripture before. I can't tell you when. I couldn't find it. I try and keep track of all of those things, Um, but I I could not see. But I do remember preaching. Matter of fact, I asked Sarah, I said, hey, didn't I preach from Luke 19 at one point? She said, yeah. Um, So it may have been more recent than not, but I wanna encourage you with this. Um, As we're focusing on this, who's your one? All right, when we talk about who's your one, all right? There is a big push right now in the SBC to focus on reaching at least one person. In other words, it's not just the pastor reaching one person, but if everybody reaches one person, what happens as a result? There's a multiplication aspect that begins to take place there. If everybody reaches one person, matter of fact, for those of you who don't realize that, um, I think I maybe have said this at some point in time, statistics say that 91% of people come to faith in Jesus Christ, not from a worship service and not from a pastor. Did you know that? 91% they say that. In other words, it comes from a relationship with you outside of the church possibly where you have shared your faith with them at some point and they accept Christ through that. And then as a result, they come to church or then as a result, they meet a pastor. And then as a result, they uh, maybe are baptized and things like that. But if 91% of all people come to faith in Christ outside the results of a worship service and outside the results of a pastor then what does that say is our responsibility and I yeah, to go. All right, it's, it's our responsibility to be focused on that. So this this whole sermon series is called "Who's Your One?" is to be focused on that. So uh, Luke chapter nineteen, starting in verse one, listen to what happens. It says Jesus entered Jericho and was there, or and was passing through. So there's this idea he's moving on, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy, and he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man. He could not because of the crowd. Anybody who's been short knows what it's like to be behind a bunch of tall people, all right? And sometimes you're not even short. It's just everybody around you is even taller, all right? But it says he wanted to see Jesus, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, he here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. As, they, as you think about this, this story is really a story of God's love for all people, even those who are ostracized, even those who are outcasts. And this passage may bring up something a little familiar. Matter of fact, it may bring up a song that might come to mind. Maybe you learn in VBS, or maybe it was Sunday school at some point in time, or, or maybe it was your parents that raised you up. But the reality is, when we look at the context of the story, I'm going to jump back to chapter 18. And I know for a fact that I didn't cover this the last time I preached, because I was like, man, I didn't ever really pay attention to the context as a whole. But if you go back into Luke chapter 18, you'll see the parable of the persistent widow. In other words, the widow who was in need of something, and she consistently went to God over and over, went to the ruler over and over and over and over and over again. And so we can learn from that idea, the heart for the lost in going to God over and over and over and over again, trying to pray for those who we may have a chance to lead to Christ at some point. So we see the parable of the persistent window. We see the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Remember the Pharisee who prays all proud and boastful and yet the tax collector who didn't even want to approach and he just said, Lord, please, he stood a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he basically asked God to have mercy on him. And what I would say is that, God, we want mercy on us, but we also want mercy for others as well. So we begin to see that. Then there's the story about Jesus and the little children. And then here's the one I really want to focus on. As we look at Zacchaeus, there's the story of the rich young ruler in chapter 18. And in chapter 18, verses 20 through 24 through 25, it says this, that Jesus looked at the rich young ruler and he said, or looked at his disciples after talking to the rich young ruler, sorry, and he says to them how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is even easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Of God, and now we jump into Zacchaeus. As a matter of fact, in Zacchaeus, in the story of Zacchaeus, what we begin to see is this: that Zacchaeus was a wee little man, yes, but it says that he was a man, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was what? Rich. He was wealthy. And as we begin to look and see the true story behind this story with Zacchaeus, what we begin to see is what is impossible with man is only possible with God. So when we look at somebody and we go, there's no way this person ever has a chance. If you only knew their background or if you only know their struggles, or if you only know the difficulties they deal with, if you only knew their heart, then you would know that there's, this person never has a chance. To know who God is. And a lot of times, and I, I would say, venture to say that most of us struggle with this, is the reality that we all look at somebody in some way, shape, or form and say that person's never got a chance. They're too far gone. They're too lost. They're too rich. They have too many things on their plate that they put as a priority rather than looking at the bigger picture and seeing who God is. So today, if you remember anything, I want you to remember this, that Jesus goes to those who need him most, the lost, the lonely, the outcast, and the rejected. Jesus goes to those who need him the most. Matter of fact, as you follow along this idea, and I wanna play this out just a little bit farther, just before Zacchaeus in chapter 18, it says that as Jesus approached Jericho, in other words, in, in chapter 18, verse 35, Jesus is coming to the city of Jericho. And as he's approaching the city of Jericho, we see the story of the blind beggar who receives the sight. And Jesus is approaching. The crowds are so thick. This guy is, he can't see him. All he can do is, obviously he can't see him, but he can't see also because of the crowd. He's trying to yell. He's trying to scream out. He's trying to to get a hold of Jesus. He's trying to make sure that Jesus knows what's going on. Jesus, I'm here. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And listen to what the crowds do. Those who led the way, they rebuked him and they told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped, ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near Jesus, he said, What do you want to do? What, what do you want me to do for you? And what does the blind beggar want? I just want to see. Lord, I want to see, he replied. And in verse 42, Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. See, the beauty of the story is you got a rich young ruler or the rich ruler who had everything under the sun but was asked to give it up. And he walks away discouraged and depressed. And Jesus says, listen, hey, it's impossible it is, it is one of those things that we look at as impossible for the rich to get into heaven. In other words, point to the fact that you can't buy your way into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And But he says, listen to me, understanding what's going on, that it's more easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And now we come to the story of Zacchaeus and we see a rich tax collector who has a personal encounter with God. And what I want you to begin to see as we dig into this is that we begin to see Jesus' heart for the people who are farthest from him, for the people we would look at and go, man, there is no chance this guy's ever gonna come to faith in Jesus. So when we see this, Jesus goes to those who need him most, the lost, the lonely, the ostracized, the rejected, the outcast. I want to look at three things again today. I don't have a question to ask, but I want you to see these three things. Number one is this, that Jesus has a heart to find what is lost. Jesus' heart has always been about that. As a matter of fact, you can go back into Luke 15. There's the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost son. There's a a thread that runs through Luke that we begin to see that Jesus has a heart for reaching those who are furthest from him Jesus desires to reach out to those that we would look at and go you know what there's just no way they're even normal they're they're kind of the outcasts and so as we look at this what I begin to see in Zacchaeus is this that Jesus has a heart to find what is lost see the reality is that the crowds blocked the view of Zacchaeus but Zacchaeus what does he want to do he wants to be just like the blind beggar he wants to see Jesus The blind beggar received his sight. Zacchaeus is like, I can't see. I got physical limitations. I'm I'm, I'm too short, so I'm gonna run ahead. And what we begin to see in this is that Zacchaeus didn't know he was lost, but he knew he was hated. He knew he was rejected. And the reason he was hated, the reason he was rejected is because he's a chief tax collector. I kind of look at it this way. If he's the chief tax collector, he's the worst of the worst, is he not? I mean, that's like, The tax collector who's got all kinds of tax collectors working for him. And if I'm figuring this right, most likely the chief tax collector probably got a little bit of money from the tax collectors who reported to him. Maybe like Amway or something else like that. I don't know. know, I mean, it's like the pyramid scheme. Hey, I'm taking a little bit from you. You're going to work for me and I'm going to live off of what you provide for me. He's a chief tax collector. And here's the problem. Not only was he the chief tax collector... All right? But he was against the Jewish people. He worked for the Roman government. In other words, he didn't care about everybody else, necessarily. He didn't look at him and go, "Well, I'm just going against you. you. know I'm a Jewish person who's working for me." He was an ostracized because of that. See, these men were defiled by their contact with Gentiles. Number one, they were working with the Romans. And because they were working for the enemy, they were hated. But Jesus flips the script and does what the Pharisees despised and rejected to do themselves. Do you see what Jesus does? Jesus does the very thing the religious people said, I'm not going to do that. Why would you hang out with people like that? Zacchaeus, the chief priest, the CEO of the firm, in all reality, is the one that Jesus goes after. And here's the beauty of the story is Jesus has a heart to find what is lost. I have no doubt whatsoever that Jesus uses Zacchaeus in a great way. And that's what we're gonna see here. See, this incident, this idea, the story may seem crazy that a wealthy man, an influential man, runs ahead. As a matter of fact, I would honestly look at it and go like this. If he's wealthy, at least some of the super rich people I've seen, Especially on TV, all right, not from a distance. I don't know any major super rich people, but I don't know very many rich people who would run ahead and climb a tree. What would they do? I'll pay for my spot. I'll pay you a little bit of money. You just clear the road, get them out of my way. But Zacchaeus shows his desperation. Zacchaeus says, I want to meet Jesus, I want to see this man for the first time. And so he runs ahead. And so it may seem ludicrous. It may seem crazy. This may go along closely with the words we hear. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, going back to Luke 18, like a child will never enter into it. I think Zacchaeus, almost like a child, runs ahead to see exactly who this Jesus is. Matter of fact, I was going to show you a picture. I forgot to download it, but I was looking up some some pictures of the Toronto Raptors recent celebration uh, because I wanted to see some of the people who just wanted to see. Matter of fact, I remember, anybody remember going, who, who went to the Royals celebration out when they won the World Series, all right? I remember seeing this in a couple of areas, people getting higher than everybody else so they could see, but I, I saw some in Toronto and I don't know where they were at, but they had like these double arches that look like they're probably, I'm guessing 25 or 30 feet in the air, And people had climbed up on these arches and were sitting across it above the crowd, like 20 feet above the crowd, just so they could see the celebration of the championship that the Toronto Raptors just did with the NBA. And I would look at it in some way, shape, or form and see that Zacchaeus is just that way. He can't see above everybody else. So he runs ahead, climbs into a fig tree, sycamore fig tree, just so he can see Jesus. And here is the beauty of all of this because here's where we begin to understand if Jesus goes to those who need him most, the lost, the lonely, the ostracized, the the rejected, he shows us the heart for the loss, number one. Number two, Jesus then meets us where we are. Look at what happens with Zacchaeus as he walks through this. Jesus meets Zacchaeus where? Where he was at, right? Jesus meets Zacchaeus right at the tree. As a matter of fact, it says that when Jesus reached the spot, it doesn't give us a specific location. It just means that when Jesus got to where Zacchaeus was at, he looked up at him, he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, here's the struggle. Number one, most people don't boss a rich person around. But Jesus walks up and says, get out. Get out of the tree. Come down immediately. And Zacchaeus does. But then Jesus shows this compassionate side and he says, I must stay at your house today. Here's the thing that blows everybody's mind and here's the question you have to begin to ask. And we're gonna go from who's your one and we're gonna go into a sermon series we talk about who's my neighbor all right? I want to lay that out so we begin to understand. But what you have to see here is that Jesus meets us where we are. And when he meets us where we are, then he wants to go where we are. He wants to be with us, he wants to communicate with us. And so he meets Zacchaeus going into the city of Jericho. And, and, and Zacchaeus obviously has some spiritual curiosity, but Jesus goes to where he's at. And my question is, is this, and this is the struggle. And trust me, there's a fine line. If I could get up and walk, I would, I would get up and walk. But there's a lot of problems in today's Christian culture when we completely isolate ourselves from lost people. When we segregate ourselves out and say, you know what, I'm not gonna be around these people because they could take me down. Now listen to me, that's the fine line you have to know your struggles. You have to know your addictions. You have to know your tendencies. You have to know, you know, I'm not going to tell you, hey, you need to go and do these things if you struggle. You know, don't hang out with a bunch of people who smoke and drink and, and, and uh, are, are doing drugs if you have a problem smoking, drinking, and doing drugs. All right? You see what I'm saying? I'm not saying that, but you also have to understand that we have to be around people who don't know Jesus Christ in order to impact people who don't know Jesus Christ. If you solely hang around Christian people all your life, you're gonna be in a fish tank, a bubble. That was our biggest struggle when we were in seminary. Went from playing baseball, being around lost guys, go to seminary, we live in seminary housing, we go to school, I was a youth pastor, and you realize that everybody around us is a believer. And it hurts at times, you're like, oh my gosh, I just don't wanna be around these, no offense, don't take it wrong right? I just don't want to be around these people all the time. I like having relationships with lost people. I like seeing sometimes some normalcy, if that makes sense. I don't make make it sound bad, but there's something to be said about that. See, here's the reality. Zacchaeus has a spiritual curiosity. And in Ecclesiastes chapter three, the Bible says that God has set eternity in our hearts. Ecclesiastes 3.10, that he has placed in the soul of every human being a desire to connect with the creator. And I believe wholeheartedly that Zacchaeus has that desire. And I believe wholeheartedly there are people outside the four walls of the church that have a desire to connect with Jesus, that have a desire to know who God is, that have a desire to see what Jesus would do for their life or what Jesus can do in their life. But the problem is, They don't have anybody who's there to talk to them. The truth of the matter here is this. We hang around people who are oftentimes like ourselves, right? Matter of fact, there may be some situations in your life that you'd say, you know what? I don't want to hang out with that guy. I don't want to hang out with that person. Do you realize what they do? Yeah, I realize that. And I'm not saying that you got to go and do what they do. What I'm asking you to do is to develop a friendship with them, whether that's through work, maybe it's outside, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a friend you already have, but that you have a relationship with them in order to lead them to Jesus, in order to point them in reality to Jesus. Zacchaeus jumps down immediately when Jesus says to get down, and he says, I must come and stay at your house. Imagine the response. Matter of fact, we don't have to imagine it very much because listen to verse seven. All the people saw this and what happens? This is the beauty of the story. This is the beauty of what I'll call Christian community at times. They all begin to what? Mutter and mumble. In other words, there's gossip going around. (gasps) Do you know who he's hanging out with? He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Oh my gosh! This this is a complete disregard for Jesus. As a matter of fact, it's a, qu- a complete questioning of Jesus' motives. It's a complete questioning of Jesus. How can he even be the Messiah if he's going to go and hang out with the people he's supposed to be saving? Jesus shows, listen, I am here to save you, but I am also here to relate with you. And what we begin to see is that Jesus' relationship with people is primary. Yes, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost, number one. But Jesus always wants to relate to people. He wants to connect with them where they're at. He wants to connect with you where you're at. As he's walking through this time continuum, as he's going through this this thing called the journey of life, as we're going along in that, we may have run ahead into the tree and Jesus may be saying, you need to come down right now because I must be with you immediately. See, the beauty of this is this, that Jesus goes to where Zacchaeus is at, calls Zacchaeus down to him and then says, Zacchaeus, I am coming to you or I'm going to your house today. In other words, Zacchaeus, I want a relationship with you. So as we begin to understand that, unlike the blind man who was calling out to Jesus, Jesus stopped and called out to Zacchaeus. The blind man screaming his head off, Zacchaeus completely silent, but Jesus calls out to Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to your house today. And the beauty of this Text as we begin to see it as this that it says that Zacchaeus welcomed him gladly. Here's what I find the most enjoyable and the most exciting is that when someone comes to Jesus, when someone acknowledges their past struggles and they repent of their sins and they turn to Jesus, when somebody calls on Jesus and they open their door of their heart to Jesus and they've welcomed him gladly, that carries with an attitude of joy because of their salvation. And trust me, and I, I've, I've seen it in your eyes, I've seen it when you've clapped over somebody who's baptized, but I always wanna ask this question, do we celebrate, do we understand the joy that comes when somebody opens their heart, when somebody acknowledges who Jesus is, when somebody has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, do we understand the exhilaration that comes with that? Because when we understand that, then who's your one is not necessarily a, oh, here's another thing. Who's your one is, man, not who's just my one, who's my two, who's my three, who's the four, who's the five people that I want to see come to Christ over the next year, that I'm going to pray for over the next year that I can share the gospel with. See, here's, here's the struggle. When I could stand up here and talk about who's your one, maybe somewhere deep down inside, you're like, oh my gosh, another one of these. When who's your one should be, oh my gosh, this is a chance to see God work. God, would you open up my heart so that I would be attentive to your word? God, would you open up my eyes so that I would see those who don't have a relationship with you and I could learn to love them. I can serve them. I could speak truth to them. God, would you open up my mind to see the things and the places that you're at work so that I can see what you have in store for me. Jesus meets us where we are, but Jesus never leaves us where we are. Matter of fact, this is the beauty of this text here is that Jesus goes to where Zacchaeus is and then he says, hey Zacchaeus, I want to go even further. I want to go where you live. I don't want to be just out here in the, in the center of the city. I want to be with you. I want to have that relationship with you. And that's what Jesus has always desired. And we have to understand that the relationship is the first and foremost thing. And number three is this. If Jesus goes to those who need him most, he has a heart for what, to find what is lost. He meets us where we are. We have to see this, that Jesus changes our heart. Not only our heart, Jesus changes others' hearts. See, Jesus told the disciples this, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven, correct? We just looked at it in in chapter 18, verses 24 through 25, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And in fact, or indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Jesus lays out this huge thing with the rich young ruler. Why? Because the rich ruler acknowledges all the religious things he'd done. But when Jesus says, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, what does the rich young ruler show? That my possessions are my priority. That my money, that's first and foremost. So Jesus says, look, it's, it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. But listen to the story of Zacchaeus in a different light. That Zacchaeus when he acknowledges his need, when he acknowledges Jesus and the relationship he has with him, listen to what Zacchaeus says. Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. Do you hear what the rich just did? He just said that my possessions are no longer my priority. a matter of fact, he goes even one step further and he says, if I have cheated anything out, or anybody out of anything. Here's the thing that oftentimes we overlook. A lot of times we look at Zacchaeus and we go, well, Zacchaeus, he was just a wicked man. It doesn't necessarily mean that, does it? What we see is what Zacchaeus says, if I have cheated anybody out of anything. In other words, I think, and I believe wholeheartedly, that Zacchaeus had good intentions. He tried to walk with integrity, even in the midst of being a tax collector. And I want you to also notice this, that Jesus, as a result of this, Zacchaeus doesn't necessarily give up being a tax collector. See, a lot of times we look at tax collectors and we go, man, those people are evil. Right, Mike? I would just throw you out there, sorry. We look at things like that, but the reality is that scripture calls us to obey our government. Scripture tells us to give taxes or pay taxes to Caesar. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, render to God what is God's. The neat thing about the story is this, simply understanding this, that when Zacchaeus has this relationship with Jesus, when Zacchaeus admits his need for Jesus, he offers his possessions to give half his possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back Four times the amount. What we see is that Zacchaeus' heart has been changed. And the truth of the matter here is this, that Zacchaeus, even while being a tax collector, could have used the job that he was given, the job he had to lead other people to Jesus. Remember, he's the chief tax collector. And I have no doubt that when the chief tax collector started dealing with his tax collectors under him, I have no doubt that he started to say, hey, things are changing. The way we've been doing things maybe isn't gonna fly. We're still gonna be obedient to the Roman government who we're collecting taxes from, but guess what? We're not gonna be raking people over the coals as we used to before. We're not gonna live high on the hog as we used to before. We're not gonna take advantage of those people. We're going to live with integrity. And here's why. Because Jesus has changed my heart. See, he knew he was a sinner. He responded with great enthusiasm. And I want you to understand this, that you can't fight a sin that you love. You can't fight an idol of the heart by just being stronger willed and not doing the thing. You have to have a new affection. You have to have something replace that desire in your heart. And here's the way I would look at it. Maybe it's an addiction. We can go through all kinds of things, but you cannot fight a sin that you love and you can't fight an idol of the heart by just willing it even deeper in your inside. You have to have a new affection put in place in that heart. So maybe it's beating an addiction. In order to beat an addiction, you have to have a stronger addiction to something else. And what we would like to see or what we hope to see would be that that addiction would be overcome by having addiction to Jesus. That in the midst of everything, that I would fill that God-sized hole that we just talked about in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse ten. That we would fill that hole that we look to fill with everything else. That we would fill it rather with God. Why? Because God has placed in the soul of every human being a desire to connect to the Creator. And so Jesus changes Zacchaeus' heart, and Jesus can change. Our heart, And I would say that in a number of ways. Number one, Jesus can change the hardest of heart, the most difficult of heart, the hating heart, the addicted heart, but Jesus can also change the prideful heart. The prideful heart of a person who comes in and goes, well, I don't want people like that in the church. Or I'm not willing to get dirty because getting dirty means I actually have to do something. See, Jesus' heart is to change our heart, to give us a new heart. And your heart, when it's set upon God and when your heart is set upon Christ, you don't worship you, you worship God. You don't love this world, you love his world. You love who God is. You use the world and you love God instead of using God and loving the world. See, he was showing, listen, that money didn't control him and that money was not the key to his heart. He thought that he had run his business with integrity, but he still needed Jesus. So here's how I really want to wrap up. I just want to finish up with this that Jesus said to him, listen to verse 9. Jesus says to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. Here's, here's the beauty of the scripture. You guys realize that this ties back to the Old Testament. that. Genesis chapter 12, where God says, I will make you a great nation, Abraham, and you're going to have many children and many people, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. When Jesus makes this assumption, what he's saying is that he is adopted into the family. And what I want us to all see is this, that regardless of where we have been in the past, regardless of what you have done, that Jesus has still set out to bring you into the family, to bring you into the fold, to make you a son or a daughter of Father Abraham, to bring you into a relationship with God the Father. Why? Because that's the goal that he set out in the first place, that we would all become a part of the family of God. As a matter of fact, there's that old song. We used to sing it every time we did the Lord's Supper on Sunday night. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Anybody know that song? That's the beauty of this scripture, that Zacchaeus at that point in time, just with a simple act, shows by faith that Jesus has changed his heart, that by faith he was no longer bound up to the priorities and the possessions he had, but he was willing to give to the poor and that by faith he was willing to walk with integrity and say, if I've ever wronged anybody, I'll also make it right. Listen, the reality is that only comes about because of a changed And so Zacchaeus is now adopted into the family of God because of his changed heart. He didn't change it. God changed his heart. He didn't stubbornly and and unwillingly just say, oh, I'm going to overcome this. No, God changed Zacchaeus' heart. And I believe wholeheartedly that he was a tax collector before he met Christ We don't hear much beyond that after this, but I have no doubt that he was probably still a tax collector after. The difference was the destiny that he was living had changed. The goal in his life had changed. The hope in his life had changed. It was no longer finances, but it was rather faith in Jesus. And listen, Going back to Luke chapter 18, verse 27, listen to this and and think about this. Remember the rich young ruler. And he said it's hard for a person to become or who's wealthy to come to Jesus. Matter of fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to come or enter the kingdom of God. But listen to verse 27. Jesus replied, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Where you may see an impossible task, where you may see an overwhelming evil or hatred or maybe even somebody who's addicted to something in their life where you see something that's so overwhelming that it's impossible. We can look at, and looking at scripture, look at the promise of God, see that God says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. If the rich young ruler rejected And God says it's impossible, but yet within the next chapter, as he's walking along, he enters Jericho. And in entering Jericho, a rich chief tax collector comes to God through Jesus. What he's saying is there is nothing impossible. There is every opportunity and every chance for somebody who has walked in a way that maybe is unacceptable by worldly standards and even unacceptable by biblical standards. There is every way possible through Jesus Christ. And so here's where I just wanna end today. Maybe you are the rejected. Maybe you are the despised, the outcast. Maybe you've struggled for years with addiction to wealth or power, maybe substances. Maybe there's even this addiction to religious works, the thought that I can earn it on my own. But I want you to understand that Jesus wants to meet you where you're at. Jesus is walking along the road. Maybe you've climbed that fig tree and you're looking. What, what I want to see more about who this Jesus guy is, Jesus wants to meet you where you're at. But listen to this. When Jesus meets you where you're at, he's not going to let you stay where you are. He never does. As a matter of fact, I would even say this to every believer. If you're the same person you are now, or you're the same now as you were when you were saved. And I'm not sure you get the understanding of a relationship with Jesus because Jesus will never leave you where you're at. Matter of fact, he didn't leave Zacchaeus where he's at. And matter of fact, he calls him down. And then he says, you're gonna go with me to your house. Jesus doesn't leave us where you're at or where we're at. He wants us to go with him to walk in a relationship with him, to walk in obedience to him, to be a follower of him, to be a disciple of his. So you may be that person. Who is it that may be the outcast or a person that you may look at on the other hand? Who is that person you may look at and go, man, they're the outcast. they're the rejected, they're the ones that I just don't ever see them coming to Jesus. Who's the one? And here's what I want you to do. For those of you who are believers, those of you who put your faith and trust in Christ and you know without a doubt that that's where you're at. Here's what I want you to do today, right where you're at. You can write it in your Bible if you want. Write it on a piece of paper. I wanna ask you, and I told you last week to start praying about it. Who's your one? Who is the one person that for the next year you're gonna pray for daily, hourly if you have to? God, will you change this person's heart? God, give me the words to speak. God, may I be a servant of this person. God, may I give them wisdom that as I speak your words, they can see how to live. God, would you give me the opportunities to be a good example? Would I not let my temper get the best of me when angry or or frustrating situations arise, but would I deal with this person with grace? Who's the one? And here's what I want you to do, just really quick where you're at, Write it down on a piece of paper. Stick it in your Bible. Grab something in front of you you have to. Stick it in your Bible. And I'm gonna encourage you to be praying for this person every day, at least once a day. Okay, that's a start. Last week, we talked about making disciples. We looked at the reality and necessity to do it. This week, we talked about how Jesus has a heart for those who may seem to be the farthest from him. And as you go through and you read the, the, the book of Luke, you're going to begin to see over and over and over and over again that Jesus has a heart for the lost. And listen, we could be a church, and, and, and I know I want to do everything we can to grow, but I want you to understand this. I would rather grow by reaching lost people and seeing them be baptized than grow by attracting people from another church because we're that church. I just have no desire for that. And I don't mean to make that sound bad. It's not bad, all right? I believe sometimes that God brings people along, but I would rather be a church that reaches people who are far from Jesus than be a church that doesn't care and we just maintain by getting other people from other churches. I just don't see that in scripture. I don't see that being effective. I don't, be, I don't see that being biblical, The church grew in Acts because they had a heart for lost people. And I just want to simply ask you, do we have a heart for lost people? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the promise and the hope we have through your son, Jesus. We thank you for the fact that he sought us out, that we can see the truth of the scripture when it says that he came to seek and save that which was lost. And God, I pray that we would be a church that is focused on the lost people that we would go after those who may be the tough, the hard-hearted, the difficult, the ones who maybe are struggling with addictions and and, uh, broken lives, God. But I also pray for those, they may be wealthy. They may have the greatest of wealth, but maybe that wealth has owned them. Maybe it's their priority. God, I would pray that we would look at people and we would see people how you see them. If they're lost and in need of a savior, And God, may we not be the religious people who mumble and grumble or complain about those you bring into this church family. So God, I pray for a supernatural movement. I pray that you would break our hearts. God, I pray for those today, maybe as we're sitting here today, I pray for the names of those individuals that you have laid on the heart of each and every person here. God, we pray that even this week, even today, that you would give us an opportunity to invite them, to share the gospel with them, to talk to them about who Jesus is, to what Jesus has done for our own lives, but also for them. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.